This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 37 degrees at 904. Still getting reports of pretty dense fog visibility of only a quarter of a mile in some spots. Be aware of that. Throughout the day-to-day, clouds and a high in the mid-60s. Tioga County Sheriff's officials are investigating a crash this week that claimed the life of a Spencer Van Atten High School student. The sheriff's office says shortly before 8 a.m. Monday, deputies responded to a report of a single vehicle crash on Ithaca Road in the town of Spencer. Authorities say a sedan driven by a 16-year-old left the road and crashed into a house. The Spencer Van Etten School District confirms the driver who died as a result of injuries suffered in the crash was senior Travis Allen. No one in the house was seriously hurt. Counselors have been made available this week for students and staff in the wake of that student's death. No injuries are reported following an over over a day of tense negotiations in a neighborhood in the town of Shenango that resulted in heavy police response and a road being shut down. New York State Police were sent to a home on Savage Road at around noon yesterday, or rather on Wednesday, that's Wednesday, to check on the welfare of a 34-year-old man. When troopers contacted the subject, he made threats to harm himself and would not leave the house. Law enforcement officers closed the street as they attempted to negotiate with that man. The police negotiators were assisted by a a mobile crisis team from the Mental Health Association of the Southern Tier. The man eventually came out and surrendered shortly after 3 yesterday afternoon, 27 hours after the first response from authorities. He was taken to a hospital for evaluation. A Richford Springs man admits he bilked the labor union he kept books for out of tens of thousands of dollars. The United States Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York says 38-year-old Jay Garnsey pleaded guilty Wednesday to embezzling assets from a labor union. Authorities say from about late 2015 until December 2019, Garnsey was employed by Remington Arms in Illion and was the financial secretary of the union representing the employees of the company. As part of his guilty plea, Garnsey admitted he embezzled money by submitting fraudulent reimbursement vouchers and by other means. He admitted bilking the union out of over $38,000. Sentencing is set for January. Federal prosecutors say Garnsey faces a maximum sentence of up to 25 years in prison. He could also be fined up to $250,000 and get up to three years post-release supervision. Garnsey has also agreed to pay the union back $30,172.76 in restitution. Steel is going up at the Oakdale Mall in Johnson City as construction crews convert the former Macy's store into a massive Dick's House of Sport complex. Dick's Sporting Goods announced plans for its largest store in about six weeks ago. That will be located on the south end of the retail complex off Harry L. Drive. The 140,000-square-foot store would serve as an anchor for what developers are calling Oakdale Commons. It's slated to open next year. Construction workers began gutting the interior of the Macy's in July. The big department store closed in 2017. Spark JC LLC, which is a joint venture of the Matthews and Newman families, acquired the mall property for $7.5 million and is in the process of reimagining the use of the property as a mixed-use facility that includes some retail as as well as non-retail elements. 
New York Governor Kathy Hochul says a decision by regulators in California has cleared the way for the Empire State to move forward on its goal of requiring all new cars and trucks sold in the state to be zero emission by 2035. State regulations began were being crafted by the end of the year would require 35% of new vehicle sales to be zero emission vehicles in 2026, 68% by 2030, and 100% by 2035. Governor Hochul says New York had to wait for California to take a step because of some federal requirements. Under the Clean Air Act, states can either abide by the U.S. government's vehicle emission standards or choose to follow California's stricter requirements. New York lawmakers passed a law last year that set a goal of making all passenger cars and trucks emission-free by 2035, but it couldn't put that plan into motion until California acted. Under the proposed rules, people would not have to give up gas-powered vehicles. They could continue to buy and sell them secondhand. Making electric vehicles a reality will require major public and private investments in a vast system of charging stations. New York this week announced receiving $175 million in federal funding in order to expand charging station access to about one every 50 miles along the interstate highways. WMBF News Time 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, well, currently we're still getting some reports of some fairly dense fog around the region. For the day, mostly cloudy, a little more seasonable than it was yesterday into the mid-60s. Mostly cloudy tonight, not as cold, a low in the mid to upper 40s. However, we do have the possibility of some more frost as we head into the early part of next week. Tomorrow, cloudy. About a 30% chance of showers by midday, a high in the low 60s. Sunday, partly sunny, a high in the low to mid 60s. Then for Sunday night, it dips back down into the 30s. Monday, there could be some patchy frost in the morning, otherwise mostly sunny, a high near 60. Again, cold on Monday night with temperatures in the 30s. And Tuesday, patchy frost in the morning, otherwise mostly sunny, high in the low to mid 60s. Currently, it's 37 in Binghamton. It's 9-12, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. Today is Friday. Let the show begin. Bob Joseph with you. It's September 30th, closing out the third quarter of 2022. Judging from the first nine months of the year, it's been wonderful for some people. And, of course, very challenging for others. I hope the fourth quarter of the year will be better for you and for your family. 607-772-1290 is the number. If you'd like to participate, we are here for you. As they say on the radio, I'm Bob Joseph on your side. Submit your emails to bob at wnbf.com. Make sure that they're under 100,000 words and also do your best to spell correctly. Use spell check when possible and proper punctuation if you dare. Again, uh, phone 
conversations always are uh, lovely here at the station. We love hearing from you, the home viewer, at 607-772-1290. And let's see. I haven't punched up my email yet. Uh, um, breaking news. Russia's Putin launches process to annex parts of Ukraine. Eh, something about them. Some of these are just plain self-promotional. Electronics recycling event in the town of Dickinson. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Uh, Hurricane Ian heads for the Carolinas. New York State energy regulators will meet to take shocking action. Let's see what else we have here. Mm-mm-mm. New York City to overhaul school admissions. There's something destined for the junk pile. And that, that, and that. All right. All right, nothing that requires immediate action on my part. So uh, see if any viewers send emails today. I will try to read at least one email from an average viewer if you send it to bob at wnbf.com. Uh, obviously, obviously, we can't read all of your emails on the air. <laughs> yeah, hold on a second. I shouldn't be looking at video on Twitter, but let me just... Somebody sent it. Mm-hmm. Just a second. I should be doing this during a break, but... That would be that would be too too appropriate. Hold on, I'm just looking at a CNN video that somebody put on Twitter, and uh, that's a correspondent in Bradenton, Florida, home of orange juice. We've got uh, the reporter, of course, as reporters must do during hurricane coverage, making it look like the end, the end of the universe, and then in the background, (laughs) there's a guy in the background of this live shot calmly walking to his car, same way I would be walking to my car if I was parked in downtown Binghamton, sauntering across the street. Of course, it was easy to saunter across the street because there was no traffic, but in the meantime, in the foreground is a... Correspondent CNN doing a live report making it look like the final moments of life as we know it. So there you go. By the way, you know, I I understand where we are in terms of journalism in 2022. Nobody needs to explain it to me. Oh, trust me. Trust me. I understand where we are because I'm I'm part of it. And we hey, we, we have to work with what the the current guidelines are this is not this is not the Walter Cronkite and David Brinkley era of news if if you remember those eras those eras are long gone this is the David Muir era of news see imagine if you can if you remember Walter Cronkite think of what Walter Cronkite was like anchoring the CBS Evening News and compare that with David Muir who grew up in Syracuse and the way he anchors ABC's World News tonight 
So you see things have changed over the last few years. It's 917. Let's take a call from Binghamton's west side. Gary, good morning. You're on the air. Hello, Bob. You know who I like? Huntley and Brinkley. I like those guys. Good night, Chet. Good night, Chet. Good night, David. And good night for all of us at NBC News. (sighs) That's right. Yeah, you brought that back. Yep. Uh, That was the days. You know, there are certain things in life uh, where laws need to be changed. And I feel that one of them is with squatters' rights. I live in a neighborhood where uh, I could throw a stone and hit three people who have squatted during this pandemic within my neighborhood. I live in a neighborhood that were single-family homes. Now they've turned them into uh, multi-units so that college students and other people can live in them. I have no problems with that, but that does create problems. The If I could tell you a little Binghamton story here, there's a person that lives in a house that is a squatter. The uh, gentleman tried to get her out, and uh, he's got a lawyer. Uh, they filed the paperwork, and unfortunately the lawyer did uh, something wrong. The paperwork didn't go through. This squatter is still in the house. Now, the uh, code enforcement came over because the uh, landlord had a problem with bugs there. He's noticing this. And so they go in the house where the squatter is, and it's covered with bugs. There's bugs everywhere, and the place is condemned. Okay? But the squatter can still live there. Imagine that. Now, the landlord wants to get in the house, in that apartment, to spray to get rid of the bugs. And the uh, squatter won't let the landlord in his own house to do that. How can a squatter, how can someone where a building, where an apartment is condemned and they're allowed to live in there because they can't kick them out because of squatters' rights? There's something wrong there. Laws need to be changed. Well, notice, notice, although City Hall has talked about doing something, City Hall, uh, as far as I know, recent memory, City Hall has uh, not taken on the issue of squatters, and this is an issue that uh, applies to all parts of the city, west side, north side, east side, south side. I've covered a few stories. I'm just looking... There was one story that we had on WNBF.com from four years ago about squatters who were using a three-story apartment house downtown, and a fire broke out, and basically it didn't burn the place down. Ultimately, though, it had to be demolished. It's a, it's an ongoing problem. It's it's terrible. But the city hall, the city hall doesn't seem to care about it this it's not like it just started in the last nine months this has been going on for several years yeah and i don't know where they get their rights from if if, if my house was condemned i wouldn't be able to live in it i wouldn't be able to live in it but a squatter can live in it i don't understand well what are they going to do i mean the cops in the average week, Binghamton cops get called to several places where there is clear evidence that people are living illegally. So what are they supposed to do? Haul them oh, out? They can't do nothing. You no, can't. No, no, the, the, can't, police can't the police can't. The police have their hands tied. 
Right, because of the laws, right? So they protect the squatters. When when the pandemic started, Bob, you had a guy that called in, and my heart just went out to this poor guy. He uh, was retiring. He bought a, a house that had nine units in it, and he had people that just said, well, I'm not paying rent now because that's just the way it is. And this guy had a he had to keep the heat on, got to keep the electricity on, got to keep the water running, and he's got no income coming in. And that's his retirement. And, you know, that phone call, I was just like, oh, I can't believe this poor guy. And he never called back to let us know what the end result was. But I can't imagine it went too well. You know, it's sometimes the law needs to be changed. And I don't think squatters should have the rights that they do. But, you know, I don't know. You're right. City Hall's not doing anything. No, no. and, And you would think... You would think, because even if City Hall doesn't participate in the program, City Hall listens to the program intently, as do most fine city and county employees. The the bottom line is, you know, don't ignore an ongoing problem that affects the quality of life in virtually every part of the city. Just because there aren't squatters on Riverside Drive doesn't mean it's not a problem. Yeah. Yeah, stories about that, and it, it, it's just—I don't know. Uh, where where do you get that law change, Bob? Where does that come from? What politician would start something like that? Any 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 member of city council could propose legislation, but they don't want to. They don't have the political will or the courage. Apparently. Because what? Because like the liberal side of well, we got to treat people fairly, and everybody's got to have a place to live. And I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the deal. I don't okay. know if that's the deal. By the way, we may have uh, some information coming up from, um, shall we say, a person who's knowledgeable. I believe we uh, have oh, coming up. Former Mayor Matthew Ryan, who can shed some light on on the issue, because I imagine it's something that came up from time to time when he was mayor. Oh, good. Let let me uh, hang up, and I'll listen. Thanks, Bob. 924 at WNBF. Matt from Binghamton. Yes, I'm glad you... uh, I I did want to comment about the um, situation. First of all, uh, you know, people want to put this on the mayor, but the mayor has nothing to do with it. This is a civil court matter. The mayor couldn't do anything if he wanted to. I, I don't know if you remember when I, when um, a little different situation, but when the un, the old Union Hotel, before it was taken over by people who remodeled it all, I got a lot of flack for trying, when they, the woman who got put in jail for a night, uh, the mother of the boys that were running that place, um, you know, I, I tried to intervene, and I was told to stay out of it by the courts. Um, but that's just one minor thing. But th- this, this is about going into court, and first of all, it's not low. You couldn't pass a local law, I don't believe. It's the real property and procedures law of the state of New York. So it's really more up to the state if they want to make any changes. But most of what people are talking about, I know there are some squatters, but I think it's more uh, as a result of the pandemic, uh, uh, emergency rental assistance program, which is a federal program, and 
just rules were changed by the by the federal government and and state governments to protect people who were begun who seemingly were going to become homeless and then some people took advantage of it i believe and some and some people were served um properly because they had lost you know lost their ability to pay rent and stuff and their jobs and stuff so it's it's a mess right now especially because of the pandemic but this is nothing to do with city hall uh they don't have they don't have anything to say well city hall i shouldn't say city hall so corporate incorporates the courts upstairs on the fifth floor they're the ones that um and it's and i tell you there's there's a lot of frustrated lawyers i've talked to them around about you know i i had one person i know that had a lawyer and the lawyer said i can't do anything for you and quit on him and then charged him for the phone call when he called him to tell him he was going to quit on him because <laughs> he couldn't said he couldn't do anything more for him to get the people out of the house so you know we're up against that it's not a it's not a city hall thing if the city hall can't just say we're going to do this i mean he could lobby the state and the federal government uh, mayor could to try to get some laws changed and i don't know what's going on there but this is a civil matter it's not criminal and the courts are the ones that rule rule that well i appreciate the information and um i apologize to everyone at city hall for uh, suggesting that there was much they could do about it because it just goes to show i don't I don't know at all when it comes to things like this. Well, you know quite a bit. But well, I know, yeah. I mean, nobody knows at all, but I, I certainly, I, I certainly sounded, I certainly sounded as though I knew exactly what I was talking about when I, I, you know, made the declaration that it, you know, city hall's not doing anything about. It. I'm glad you called in to, you know, straighten straighten that out so we don't leave a, a, a misconception. Right, uh, but I, I think uh, early on. You know, one of the things is uh, for ERAP, it's the Emergency Rental Assistance Program. Uh, you have to be, you know, being the threat of uh, of home, being uh, your home, your ability to have a home being insecure. And you know, there's a difference between people whose income was impacted by by the um, uh, pandemic, and that's where I think. Uh, real problems came with this. Some of the stuff is that early on, you just had to put on, uh, and still to a certain extent, if you just say the words ERAP and file an application, you are they can't kick you out of the house until that application is either accepted or denied. And so, and and you didn't really have to do any kind of income-based reporting. You just sign the paper and say you're, you know, that you are um, in danger of losing your housing. Um, you know, I know of one particular case where there was, you know, people had, a lot of people have guaranteed income and, and that's, that are not affected by the pandemic, like Social Security and, and um, you know, if a landlord has done their due diligence and checked to see where the source of the income is coming from uh, to rent the place, then, you know, it, you you know that people have the money, but because of some of these things that came up during the pandemic, uh, people are taking advantage of it, and that's that's something only state state lawmakers or federal lawmakers could could really change how how the programs are in, um, monitored and how what kind of 
what kind of proof you need to to participate in one of uh, one of the programs. Former Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan, thanks for uh, calling in to uh, provide some accurate information about uh, what, if anything, might be done uh, with the squatters that uh, you know are, in, in fact, in some cases, trespassing in, in properties where they don't belong. I appreciate it. It's 929 News Radio, WNBF. Coming up, we'll speak live with Broome County Executive Jason Garner about the... Let me say the serious. About the uh, fiscal condition of the county. County's fiscal health. How is Broome County doing from a financial point of view? That'll be coming up next with the Broome County Executive, Jason Garner. Bob Joseph with you on a Friday morning at News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. Want to save a. WNBF with Bob Joseph. On a Friday morning, we're joined now by the Broome County Executive Jason Garner with uh, an update on the financial picture for Broome County. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How's it going? Uh, It's going well here. How are things with the county at the moment? Things are going good with the county. We're uh, we're working through our budget process now. The the county legislators are are all meeting and Going line by line, reviewing our budget and asking questions, and um, that that uh, that kind of making us, uh, you know, that, that kind of what comprises uh, much of our much of our day for the next couple of weeks. So, but it's it's going pretty good. All right, I know you have put out uh, some information about the county's current uh, fiscal situation or financial situation based on. Uh, observations and uh, monitoring from the state comptroller's office. Tell us where things stand yeah. in 2022 versus what they were a few years ago. So the state controller uh, puts out a, a scoring system, if you will, of basically how uh, a county's financial situation is. And um, they just put this, uh, so so every year we we kind of look forward to, to where we are. It's kind of a, a report card on, on where we are financially. And um, he's been doing this, uh, you know, for about 10 years. And, you know, for the, the first of those years, uh, the, the county was getting some pretty bad rankings. Um, you know, the, the county was uh, getting uh, significantly fiscal stress, which is some of the worst worst ratings. And what we really wanted to do when we came in was was get off that list. and um, the, the ranking that they put out uh, today was our best ranking uh, ever in 10 years. 
Um, and the rankings are based on what your fund balance is, what your cash on hand is, your borrowing, how much you're borrowing, um, any other type of operating deficits you have. So we were really glad to see this, and it's uh, it's good it's good for taxpayers. It's good that you know we're uh, we're we've really turned our financial situation around. I'd say in the last five years, and um, we've been. And it's interesting that we've been able to do it because, as you know, um, you know we we've done this in. Uh, in a legis with a legislative branch that's not you know my political party we're we're kind of a you know I don't want to say divided government because we work really well but um, you know I, we have uh, worked together this doesn't just happen by one person it's uh, it's me and the legislature working together so you know I've had a really good partner with Chairman Dan Reynolds and the county legislators who you know we we basically worked on budgets to uh, that have resulted in in this rating that we. Uh, that we we saw come out this week, and it's going to stay like that. Um, it, it, the uh, the the long term projections for our financial uh, situation are, are pretty good. Obviously, there's always uh, you know things that come up like recessions that make things a little bit more challenging. But um, you know, Broome County has uh, really really turned their financial situation around over the past five or six years, and um, you know, glad to. Just want to throw some kudos to uh, Chairman Reynolds, but also want to throw some kudos to our budget office led by Jerome Niebel. Um, he's done a fantastic job of of helping us develop uh, pretty responsible budgets. So looking ahead for the next 6 to 12 months, how is the county going to deal with some basic things that individuals are, are dealing with with higher costs, higher costs for fuel? Certainly uh, the, the county winds up having to pay some of the higher costs for gasoline and diesel. Granted, things have, have started to stabilize and even come down over the last several weeks, but, but we know the county did take a big hit uh, earlier this year when, when gasoline and diesel prices were going up substantially and quickly on an almost daily basis. Yeah, I mean, it's something that um, you know we, we had to deal with this year when the cost went up substantially. I think you know when we did our budget last year, we never thought that we'd be looking at almost $5 a gallon gas, but as you you indicated, it's gone down a little bit. But we're still tracking that you know our, our especially our electrical costs and heating costs are going to be up twenty to thirty percent next year. So you know we we built that into the budget that we proposed to the to the legislature, and that's one of the questions they're of course asking is you know for each of the departments are you are you budgeting increases in electricity and heating and and those types of things, and we are and. Um, it's uh it's not the easiest thing cuz everything goes up we just paid uh 2 million dollars a 2 million dollar increase in our pension payment um you know because the stock market has gone down so much so you know there there's certainly um you know there's always ebbs and flows to the economy this is a weird economy so we're we're probably in a recession right now but our sales tax revenue is up usually when you see uh you know a recession you you're losing jobs and you're seeing a lot of, you know, a huge drop off in sales tax collections, which certainly impacts the county's financial situation. You're not seeing that, so this is kind of a, a different economy than than we've ever seen. But uh, it doesn't change what we've been doing. I mean, every year we're going to put together a really responsible budget, and um, you know, we're it's it's just nice to see the you know the the state controller um, you know come out with a report that backs up what you're doing 
And um, so, you know, we'll, we'll keep doing that, um, you know, for, for as long as I'm the, the, the county executive. We'll, we'll work to put together really, really responsible budgets. Speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner, you announced that the proposed budget would carry a property tax levy decrease of one-tenth of one percent, and you pointed out that's the fifth year in a row of a tax cut for Broome County residents. One of the questions I have for you, though, is how can your counterpart in Syracuse and Onondaga County, how can Ryan McMahon propose a budget for his county with a proposed tax cut of 11%. What's going on there? I'm not sure how the finances work in that county. I, I know that, um, you know, we're, we're one of, uh, you know, few municipalities that actually hold a line on taxes every year. I think in Onondaga County, they're, they are, they're also building a $90 million fish tank. I don't know how they do that kind of stuff. Um, uh, it'd be an interesting question. Um, so, you know, I think every every county is different, but what we've been committed to doing here is to uh, keep taxes flat or reduce taxes. We've been able to do that the last five years, especially when inflation is up. So, you know, like I think I said this on the, the previous program, inflation um, over the past five years has gone up 17% nationwide. And the cost to Broome County is absolutely flat. And I, th- I think that's a really, really good thing for taxpayers here. One other thing I always seem to ask you about this um, is the IBM Country Club. I still see no evidence that the demolition is eminent on Watson Boulevard in the town of Union. I go by there sometimes five, yeah. six, ten times a day. Well, obviously, I'm exaggerating. I keep monitoring, and I, I don't see any any signs that demolition will be getting started. It will happen. Um, we, we were projecting uh, that it was going to happen the, the second week of October, and really it's, it's one of those things where it's literally just a paperwork issue. Everybody's online to do it. Um, I think we're waiting for a couple of documents to be signed by the by the state, and once those documents are signed, um, everything's ready to go. Um, the 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 construction company's ready to come in and and demolish the site. So it's it's really just one of those uh, kind of annoying bureaucratic things uh, because everybody's uh, you know all all set to go. We have all the green lights. It's just a, a matter of dotting some i's and crossing some t's. But uh, I would I would expect that within the month you'll you'll start to see, you know, a a lot of progress in terms of uh, large-scale demolition happening on that property. Have they said how many weeks it might take to do the job? I think it's supposed to take, uh, I think it's supposed to take a couple months. It's a, it's a fairly substantial, substantially large demolition. It's not just like, uh, you know, bringing down a, you know, an old decayed house or anything like that. There's a lot of concrete in it. So I, I, I do think it, it's supposed to take a couple months, and um, you know we certainly want it to, to start soon because certainly there's a I think there's a window where um, if it gets too cold out you're not going to be able to do it. But um, you know the the company is ready to go. Um, it's just a matter of of getting the um, the appropriate permit. You know, waiting for that last permit or two to to be signed to start the work. And as far as you know, we're not going to hear at the last minute in the next couple of weeks that. Somebody is at coming up with a new way to attempt to save the Crocker homestead because that was one of the things that, of course, some local officials and, and uh, preservationists have been concerned about. But but I know a determination was made that it couldn't be saved. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the big thing was when SHPO uh, came out, the state agency came out, and, and they said that we could go ahead with a demo, but, you know, we had to preserve certain certain parts of it. For example, leave bricks and things like that. If there was anything of uh, historical significance inside the building, we, you know, we had to, we had to, you know, work to preserve it to the to the best of our ability. So, um, but no, the, the, there's uh, like I said, the all the state agencies have given the green light. It's really just a matter of getting the you know getting the paperwork signed by the state agency. If I could sign it myself, I could, but I can't. So we're we're just waiting for some. I think for some people in Albany to 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 sign those those final permits. Broome County Executive Jason Garner, thanks for joining us this morning, and hope you have a good weekend. You too, Bob. Take care. 946 WNBF. Bob Joseph with you on a Friday morning. We have a few questions, as you know, and we'll always get a few answers. We have uh, some interesting information about a big housing project planned for downtown Binghamton. You'll hear the information only on News Radio WNBF next hour. So if you want to know about a major housing development in Binghamton that doesn't seem to have been reported elsewhere, I think you should stay tuned. I know I'll be here. In the meantime, we'll still take calls, 607-772-1290, and I'll review your emails, bob at wnbf.com. You want be- Joe in Owego. Good morning. Good morning. Before all the lovely foliage changes and disappears, I had a couple of interesting thoughts. It seems like in the summertime, the sun is very busy combining carbon dioxide and water, a couple of the greenhouse gases, which are allegedly causing global warming. But it seems like more of it's being removed from the atmosphere when the weather's hot. On the opposite side, when you burn all the fuel and uh, heating oil and so forth, and the only plants that are taking oxygen and, and carbon, excuse me, carbon dioxide and water out of the atmosphere are the evergreens. And it's the coldest time of year, which seems like it ought to be warmer, if that, in fact, was a major, major situation. And it led me to come up with the idea of the of a weather paradox. I just thought I would share it with you know the listening audience and see what they thought. I appreciate it. I appreciate you bringing it up. There's one other item. Yes, and I, I I'm sad that that it happened. Nature has a way of redistributing energy, and according to a number of sources that are fairly consistent. The Earth receives as much energy in one hour as society uses in a year. 
Hence, we get 24 years worth of energy from the sun each day. Now, unfortunately, Eon or Ion, or however you want to pronounce the name, is an example of nature's redistribution of energy via the weather process. And I will share that one. And the people who are on this, I don't know what you call it, campaign that carbon dioxide is the root of all evil really have got to come back to reality and figure out that nature redistributes weather, excuse me, redistributes energy, and that energy comes from the sun. Just get a perspective, make it accurate, and then enjoy it. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Joe. 952 WNBF. Brenda in the Forks, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Yeah, the hurricane. What devastation. I've never seen nothing like it in my life. Oh, it's it's upsetting to look yeah. at the, the pictures and hear the stories. Oh, well, anyway, we're sending help down there, which is great. Thank you, New York State. We're always there for people. But anyway, they're going to need it. It's just like a disaster. It's so bad. I, was up, I woke up at 5.30 yesterday morning because my girlfriend's down there. And I was worried, worried to death that something was going to happen. She was in her trailer. Can you imagine this? <laughs> uh, no, I in a mobile home. I I, uh, I can't even imagine. You know, for for people who are not in really uh, fairly new and and strong structures, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Well, the waves, the ocean's nothing to play games with, Bob. I lived down south before, and I've been out in the boats, and and the waters are just deadly. Uh, I mean, don't you'll get killed in something like that. It was almost a Category 5 if you guys didn't hear about it. Uh, might as well say it was, but anyway. Well, and now, it's, uh, and now it's, even though it's weaker, it's it's still going to cause damage in some other states, too. Not Probably not as severe, but still, even, even minor uh, flood and wind damage is a big problem for people. Well, anyway, everybody needs to be on high alert for cleanup because there's probably alligators around. There could even be sharks. God knows what. And snakes. Don't forget the snakes yeah. in that water. There there are yeah. snakes. There's sewage. There's um, probably stuff that could make you sick, really sick, not just a yeah. little sick, but sicker than you've ever been in your life if if you're exposed to some of that water, maybe not just wading in it, but say if for some reason, you know, you ingest any of it or whatever, it just, oof, it's scary. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, 15, 15 feet high, they're saying the, the crest of those waves were. I've seen it come in, and it just roared right in there. <laughs> yeah. No stopping it. It's crazy. It, anyway, okay, it's a shame. I'm upset about it. I just am praying for everybody down there that everybody, you know, and we didn't even hear about fatalities. I, I don't even want to know. But no, anyway, no. The, uh, they awful. said at one point they said about six, but that was uh, very preliminary. And let's face it, they they haven't even been able to get access to some of the hardest hit areas. So I'm, um, yeah. I'm fearing that we're going to hear some significant yeah, uh, death tolls. I've seen vehicles, vehicles with hazard lights flashing, and they just got pushed right up against buildings, and they're just doused in water. I mean, awful, just awful. It's getting up to scare me. I'll never live in Florida. <laughs> I'm glad I'm up here in New York. Uh, we think we see flooding. It's not, no comparison to down there. No, no, and I, I have to say, during 
during the day Thursday when our weather was was quite nice, sort of a typical autumn day here in the Binghamton area. I I had sort of a guilty feeling that I was enjoying such a pleasant day, just uh, reporting news and doing my job out uh, around the Binghamton area. Well, you know, down south, so many millions of people are suffering. Anyway, it's headed to the Carolinas, and so they need to take warning on that. Hopefully it's not going to be as bad. I don't think it will be, but they'll probably get a lot of rain. Who knows? Okay, Bob, well, enjoy your weekend. Where's yep. out there to everybody down there? Thanks, Brenda. All right. Yeah, bye. It's 9.55 WNBF and more on the aftermath of Hurricane Ian as Florida assesses the damage, assesses the loss of life and moves forward and accepting help from other Americans and also other states prepare for more potential destruction from Hurricane Ian in the next day or two. ABC will have the latest coming up in four minutes. Miller Auto Team is always there for you. Miller Motors, they're operating six days a week. They are closed on Sunday, but they are open Monday through Saturday. They're open today till 6, tomorrow from 9 to 4. Miller Motors, 4455 Vestal Parkway East in Vestal, directly across from Binghamton University. If you're looking for a new reliable vehicle, a new Hyundai or a new Honda, or perhaps something that's previously owned, you can check out the used inventory online. Stop in. Talk to members of the Miller Auto Team. They will do what they need to do to find the appropriate vehicle for you or any member of your family. So if you want a car, a truck, SUV, a van, a minivan, whatever, Stop by Miller Auto Team. And again, you can check out the used inventory at MillerAutoTeam.com. Miller Motors, serving you on the Vestal Parkway. It's 9.57. This is Bob Joseph on your Friday morning. Coming up, we'll take more calls. We'll also have some information about a very big housing development project planned for downtown Binghamton. It's coming up on News Radio WNBF. Welcome to Christmas with Kenny G's Miracles and Holiday Hits Tour, Saturday, December 17th at the Forum Theater in Binghamton. Tickets on sale now at broomarenaforum.com. I'm Bob Joseph on your Friday morning. You're listening to WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It is currently 40 degrees at 10.04. Still an issue with the fog. Getting readings of quarter-mile visibility at the airport right now. Winds are calm, and that's not helping to move the fog out of the way. Clouds stick around for today, looking for a high into the mid-60s. A Tioga County high school senior is dead after crashing the car he was driving into a house this week. Tioga County Sheriff's officials were called to a report of a crash on Ithaca Road in the town of Spencer shortly before 8 a.m. on Monday and found the sedan driven by a 16-year-old had left the road and crashed into the building. 
The Spencer Van Etten School District posted on social media condolences for Travis Allen's family and saying counselors are being made available. A news release from the sheriff's office did not reveal the driver's name. Authorities say the sedan had been traveling south on Ithaca Road at around 7.53 a.m. when it went off the west side of the roadway and smashed into the house at 420 Ithaca Road. Investigators say none of the occupants of the home was seriously hurt. But the teenage driver of the sedan was taken to Robert Packer Hospital in Sayre by Candor Ambulance with the personnel from the Guthrie Life Flight also in attendance. Posts on social media are indicating a fundraising has been started for the teen's family. A statement to the Spencer Van Etten families from the district superintendent, Barbara Case, said, We are saddened by this loss to our school community and will make every effort to assist you and your child. Case asks caregivers to listen carefully to their child's thoughts and emotions and share any information they think the district should be made aware of. The Tioga County Sheriff's Office says the investigation into that crash is continuing. A lawyer challenging provisions of New York's new gun law has argued that the state restricts people from carrying weapons in just too many places. The argument was made during a hearing Thursday before Judge Glenn Sutterby in Syracuse as the federal judge decides whether to temporarily order a hold on provisions of the law while a federal challenge to its constitutionality continues. Attorney Stephen Stamboli is representing six gun control uh, gun owners from upstate New York, including a pastor in Oswego County who has had a carry permit since 2014. The lawsuit is also challenging training requirements for new concealed carry applicants that requires them to turn over a list of former and current social media accounts for the last three years. Sotheby will be deciding whether to issue a temporary restraining order on the provisions. Most of the plaintiffs in the lawsuit have licenses to carry and argue the law keeps them from bringing weapons to designated sensitive or restricted areas like state parks. The New York State Legislature approved the new restrictive gun carry law this summer shortly after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a state law that said people had to demonstrate an unusual threat to their safety to get a license to carry a handgun outside of their homes. WMBF News Time 1007. A boy who is not legally old enough to drink is now being charged with drunk driving and other counts following a crash several months ago. Delaware County Sheriff's officials say William Mettler III of Franklin was suspected of drunk driving in a single vehicle crash early in the morning of May 28th in the town of Franklin. Deputies say they suspected alcohol involvement was a factor in the crash and a blood test was secured to determine the 18-year-old's blood alcohol content. Investigators say they also discovered at the time that Mettler was driving with a suspended driver's license. The teen was arrested on last Friday and charged with driving with a blood alcohol content of .08% or higher after the blood tests were returned from the New York State Police Crime Lab. Authorities say Mettler is also charged with aggravated unlicensed operation of a motor vehicle, and he was ticketed for traffic violations connected with the crash back on May 28th. The teen has been ordered to appear in the town of Franklin Court at a later date. Endicott police say they've been getting several reports of alerts through doorbell cameras about people at the very least being annoying in the middle of the night, but raising concerns that the intentions could be more sinister. 
According to a post on the police Facebook feed, Ring Public Safety Alerts to customers have warned of people ringing doorbells in the early morning hours in the West Endicott area. Authorities in the post said Endicott Police Department is aware and looking into it. The police say if anyone has any information or has had the same thing happen to them, they should make sure they report it properly. Police can only act if they're brought into a case and posting on social media or through a camera monitoring system does not add in any claims of a loss or criminal case. The services that are offered by monitoring subscriptions, meanwhile, are helpful in informing residents and neighbors of issues in a community. And the cop police point out people don't even have to have a ring camera system at their home to be able to sign up for a subscription to the Neighbors by Ring app. Neighbors app notes a user's address to create a radius around their home. When posting or commenting on neighbors, the user's real identity is not published, but the post is made public to other neighbors app users. If anyone shares a post on the app about crime or safety within that radius, users get a notification on their phone and or tablet. WMBF Newstime 1009. WMB of Twin Tiers forecast today, mostly cloudy, a high in the mid-60s. Mostly cloudy tonight, a low in the mid to upper 40s. Tomorrow, clouds and a 30% chance of midday showers, a high in the low 60s. Sunday, partly sunny, a high in the low to mid-60s. Monday starts off with patchy frost in the morning, mostly sunny, a high near 60. And Tuesday starts off with patchy frost in the morning. Otherwise, mostly sunny and a high in the low to mid 60s. Currently, it is 40 in Binghamton. It's 10 12 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Bob Joseph with you on a Friday morning. This appears to be the second hour of the broadcast, and we're still taking calls at 607-772-1290. We also will accept your emails, bob at wnbf.com. WNBF is a uh, station that does news around here, and it's a good thing, too, because uh, it keeps me focused. If we didn't do news, I don't know what I would be doing. Just asking questions to people who (laughs) would be giving me a quizzical look. Why, sir, are you asking questions? Now, I can go pretty much anywhere in the tri-state area and ask questions, and I have a good reason to ask those questions. So, thank goodness for WNBF.com. And, of course, our transmitters, 92.1 FM and 1290 AM coming up. More information about a big project in downtown Binghamton. A transformation of a historic building. And you'll hear about it here on 
WNBF on your radio, on your computer, on your phone, whatever device works for you. Dale in Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Oh, I can't wait about that big project, Bob. It's a pretty big project. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like the biggest project ever, but it's a rather big project. So, it's a significant one. Yep. But anyway, um, I have a sister that lives down near Tampa, and they were calling that hurricane for Tampa in the beginning, and it, hap- it just happened to miss. You know, my my sister and uh, her daughter and and some grandchildren and stuff, you know, and so, and I called them up, and, and they're okay. You know, it's a really scary thing, too, because I've seen enough, you know, truck driving and all, and, and uh... It is. It's frightening. It's frightening to hear the warnings. It's frightening to see the coverage as it's happening, and then it's even... I think more frightening to see the devastation after the storm has moved off. I, I mean, the whole the whole process. There are different different phases of fright, but they're all scary. Yeah, and uh, I'm a little emotional about that one. So, <laughs> understandably, um, understandably, I think a lot of people in our area are are emotional, and and yeah. Whether or not you have family or friends in in Florida and in the hurricanes, so in some cases, or, or anyone that's in, involved, sure. in that. and thank God it missed Tampa. Yeah, but then look at Fort Myers and Sanibel Island, and now mm-hmm. I, I mentioned a bit ago. Still looking, sure, and I, I had mentioned uh, not too long ago that the last I had heard the death toll was six, then ABC News at the top of the hour at 10 o'clock reported it was at least 11, and then I just looked up on the screen on CNN, and they said the death toll was now at, at least 19. And, and unfortunately, it's terrible to think about, but the reality is, yeah, yeah, more, more, uh, more bodies will, will be discovered in the days ahead. Who knows, maybe even the weeks ahead, because with destruction like this you know and not, and not only my family but i'm thinking all those people and stuff mm-hmm. you know, just uh, so undescribable yeah our hearts well, go out to, to everybody affected mm-hmm. well that's all i had to mention bob all right well i appreciate your call thank you indeed we do have listeners in florida including some who've been affected by the hurricane, and so we're thanking of you. And I know there will, there is help even now heading from New York and Pennsylvania down to the hardest hit areas of Florida, and, and certainly it'll take a while. It's going to take a while in some cases to even be able to get access to um, the most damaged areas in Florida. And in some cases they're saying... The electric service may not be restored for weeks. Think about that. Electric service could be out for weeks. We know how tough it's been in our area, say, after the 2011 flood. 
and some people were without electricity for a few days, or maybe several days, or I believe it was early this year when some people in the Binghamton area were without power for several days after heavy snow. So... Yeah, we'll we'll continue to monitor the situation, and I know so many New Yorkers, as well as uh, people in Pennsylvania and other states, are going to do everything they can to help those who are in need right now, including utility crews. I I know I was talking to someone, and he told me he said nice egg crews will be adding down, but they're already stretched. They I believe had nice egg crews. Or crews from Avon Grid, the parent company, going to Puerto Rico and other areas that were previously hit. Tough times for so many people. It's 1019 coming up. We'll have information about a very big project that's being planned in downtown Binghamton. That's next. I'm Bob Joseph, live and local on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. Welcome to the. Ten twenty-one at WNBF on your Friday morning. This is Bob Joseph, and we welcome to the program Jeremy Klemanski, president and CEO of Helio Health, based in Syracuse. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Happy to be with you this morning. And thanks for being with us. Uh, of course, Helio Health has been busy in Broome County over the last few years with a, a program that was established at the um, Room Developmental Center campus off Glenwood Road to help people with substance abuse issues. How is that program going? It's going really well. Uh, we're, we've seen a, a lot of uh, progress uh, with the community's uh, awareness of the program and people accessing it. Um, to give you some perspective, the program is you know currently serving uh, on average 12 to 1,300 uh, different people a year between the detox level of care and the inpatient level of care. Is that about what you anticipated when the program was being first proposed about five years ago? Um, I think it's probably slightly less than we anticipated. Um, but, you know, the last two years with the with the pandemic environment, um, it's really hard to judge, you know, what, what a normal ramp would have looked like in terms of more and more people using the service. Um, and so it's, it's probably about what we would expect when we look at um, other similar programs in other parts of the state. And that program now has actually been in operation for four and a half years. Doesn't seem possible. No, it, it doesn't seem, seem uh, like it's been that much time. Um, and of course, now we're focused on you know the next phase of that project. Um, right now, the tight civil work is happening uh, to, to build uh, a better road to that facility from the lower campus that it sits on. And when that work is completed, we'll begin the next phase, which is to add uh, 50 uh, residential treatment beds for substance use disorder. And that that is uh, well underway in terms of its planning. And how soon could actual construction on that get underway, actual work on the, the campus? So the, the work work on the road and the, the geotechnical and the civil work is already happening. Uh, on the site, and there's a thought that some of that will finish up 
um, you know, early next year. Um, of course, there's other phases of uh, redevelopment happening there that are not related to Helio Health. There's, a, you know, the state and other agencies are working to really make that campus an asset uh, uh, that's uh, even more productive for the community, for other services. Um, so our piece, we think, will wrap up probably early in the new year. And we're then looking forward. Uh, of course, there's still some approvals that have to happen with, uh, you know, the, the plans for the renovation of the other space that's sitting there. Uh, but we think that work could probably begin, uh, you know, in the middle of uh, next year, maybe even a little earlier, depending on on uh, approvals and plans and such. It's 1024. We're speaking with Jeremy Klemanski, president and CEO of Helio Health. Uh, the primary reason I invited you on the program today was to talk about a, a project that's not very far from where our radio studio is in downtown Binghamton. It's on Court Street, several blocks to the east at 200 Court Street. Tell us about this project, a little background. Um, a Helio Health acquired this property uh, some months ago. Tell us uh, what the vision is for that site. Yeah, the, the vision for the site is to create affordable apartments, uh, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, and studios uh, for people um, who qualify for affordable housing, um, but also setting aside uh, some units for veterans uh, with, with mental health needs um, and also uh, setting aside some units for people who have a substance use disorder but are in stable recovery. Why is a project like this important, especially for people who are on the road to recovery? If people want to make a, a permanent change in their life, uh, why would uh, a, a complex like this be a, a helpful component as they, they try to move forward? So the, the, the first piece is obviously there's you know, been communicated a, a need for more affordable housing in the region that's of high quality uh, and so that's that's one need we're trying to fill. The second piece related to setting aside some of the units for people um, you know, with a disabling condition is that um, when, when they come through uh, the recovery process, um, sometimes they have uh, lost some of their resources. Um, sometimes they've lost their employment. Um, and they're in the process of rebuilding their life, whether that's going back to school, starting a new career. Um, and, and one of the pieces that people struggle with the most is being able to afford high-quality housing um, that really is, is uh, safe and, and conducive to them rebuilding their life, um, and, and an environment where there's also some other people who understand what they're going through and can provide support. So one of the things that will happen is this, uh, this property, when it's redeveloped, for the people who are in the units that are set aside for people with a disabling condition in their past, uh, there'll be some case management staff that are there to work with them uh, every day. Um, and and if they have a, if they struggle with something or they're having a hard time, whether it's finding a job uh, or maintaining their employment or or learning how to shop for groceries or or whatever the issue is or or knowing how to cook healthy, nutritious meals or budgeting, there will be staff available to help them with those. You know what we like to refer to as daily living skills, things that might be common for many of us, but for somebody who hasn't been uh, living that way for many years uh, when they were active in their addiction or because of their mental health impaired that, um, you know, we want to provide those support so that they can be a successful part of the community again, um, part of, you know, going to school, going to work, um, 
one uh, contributing member in a healthy way to our community. How many apartments are planned at that site? So there's a total of 108 uh, apartments uh, planned for that site. And there's uh, going to be 29 units set aside for people who have an SUD, a uh, substance use disorder in their past, who are in healthy recovery. And there's going to be 25 units set aside for veterans who also have experienced a mental health uh, issue in their past or currently. How much do you expect this project to cost? So that's a kind of a constantly moving number with, you know, the way prices commodities are going up and down. Um, but the, the last estimate is just north of $35 million. And, to, and that's everything from the acquisition of the site uh, to the architectural, the engineering, um, all the different approvals, and then the, the, the full-on renovation of the site. So is the plan to use just mainly the existing structures, or will additional components be be built as part of the um, the housing development? So the existing structure is going to be preserved um, based on some historic uh, preservation standards. We're actually going through the process right now uh, with government agencies about exactly what that looks like, uh, which elements of the building uh, are considered the most historic to preserve. And, uh, and you know, so, for example, um, this, this will be a completely new renovation in, inside. However, there will be places where we'll be preserving the existing flooring or the existing wall coverings or, uh, you know, different, different features of the building, if you will, of certain windows, certain entryways, because of their, their architectural uh, history with the building. Then uh, there will be uh, an exterior addition built onto the back side of the property um, to to get us the number of units that we think uh, the, will help meet the need for this project. The original building was constructed for the sheltered workshop about 75 years ago, and then some additions were made to the original um, facility. As far as um, in that general area, I, I see that some other parcels have been purchased nearby, uh, are those parcels to be used for, for parking for people who would live in the new complex? So we, we all of our parcels for the apartment complex is one contiguous parcel. There is an adjacent parcel, I believe it's directly across the street, um, that is was part of the property and is uh, part of the parking for residents in the future. And... What is the the timeline you envision? And I always I, I know this is so tough. No matter what kind of a project, small or large, timelines are are always challenging, especially given so many moving parts with a project like this. But you know, as of the end of September, what what do you envision if things don't change drastically? Sure. So the the different there's so many approvals required in a project like this, but we we obtained enough of them and have enough confidence in the funding sources. So we've gone ahead and purchased the property, and we're right now in the uh, stage of making sure it's uh, preserved um, and protected uh, for the winter. And the belief is that renovations could begin as early as February or March of 2023. Now, to be clear, there's still you know different permits and things that have to be approved. So that's that's tentative. What we're that's our optimistic uh, timeline, and the construction schedule currently calls for about an 18 month. Uh, construction window in total once we start. Has Helio Health done any other projects like this? Yeah, we have. Um, we've, we've actually done 
uh, two in Syracuse, New York, that are uh, open and up and running. Uh, each of those were 50-unit affordable housing projects. Um, and we also have a project underway uh, in Gloversville, uh, in Johnstown, New York. That's a 64-unit uh, affordable housing project. Again, each of these was set aside for people um, with, with a history of a disabling condition in their past. Any other significant projects um, coming up for Helio Health looking ahead, say, the next 12 to 24 months here in uh, either the southern tier or central New York? Well, we don't have anything that is imminent uh, on the drawing board besides getting the 50 beds for residential treatment up and running and getting this project underway. Um, I would say we are always looking at unmet needs in the community um, and and other organizations that want to partner to meet a need. Um, you know, so if there's, if, you know, we, we look at, um, you know, media reports, we look at um, different government reports about unmet need. We look at the, the data from the people we serve and what they're telling us are unmet needs. And then we talk to folks at other organizations, whether, you know, government and non-government, and just, just listen to what they're telling us on that needs are. And if, if it's something that we have uh, experienced and is consistent with our mission, we'll take a look at it. Uh, so I would just say to anybody listening, if there's a, an unmet need and you're thinking about a project that was related to substance use, mental health, and housing, you know, we're very open to talking about how we could help be part of the solution. Is Helio Health hiring? in Binghamton and um, Syracuse and other locations? Yes, we are. Um, we've, we've, while we've been fortunate that our turnover is about half of the national average for behavioral health and housing providers, we still do, because of our growth, have a little over 200 positions across the state vacant. Um, you know, when we're fully employed, we're over 1,200 uh, people in our workforce. Um, and so we have full-time and part-time opportunities. Um, and, you know, in Binghamton, there are opportunities for everything from clerical work, uh, you know, answering the phones, helping with paperwork, to counseling, uh, to nursing. Um, you know, there, there's, there's different needs. This project itself will be looking for case managers as it gets closer to opening, uh, you know, um, and, and that will be looking for folks with a history of working with people uh, with housing needs, but also if they have an experience with substance use, mental health. Um, or a specialty in working with veterans. There will be a number of employees hired uh, full-time to support this site once it's, it's open for the people living there who, who might need that type of support. Jeremy Klemanski with Helio Health. Thanks for joining us today with uh, more details about the downtown Binghamton project as well as plans for expansion of services at the Broom Developmental Center campus off Glenwood Road in the town of Dickinson. We'll look forward to keeping in touch with you. We'll look forward to helping you do that. And thank you for helping the community learn more about what we're doing. Stand 35, Bob Joseph with you, live and local on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and available for free on the WNBF app. Hey, business. Ten thirty-seven. Bob Joseph, WNBF. Friday morning. Feel free to call in six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety.
Or if you want, send an email, bob at wnbf.com. I may read your email on the air, so be prepared. Does it seem so inviting? Autumn in New York It spells the thrill of first nighting take some calls now. John in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Well, you know, we're hearing all the things that politicians have done and uh, they will do and how they're people of action. Well, let me give you one example of inaction that I think is telling. Uh, As you uh, uh, go on uh, Exchange Street there, you know where the Rock Bottom Bridge was before Bucci lost it? Uh, that area there. Maybe, you, passed you mean before Street. they blew it up? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 434, I guess. Is that 434 where North Shore? I think it might be 363. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is the area. This is the uh, area where, uh, say, Donald Lopardo and Fred Akshar, uh, that would be the route they would take if they were going home to Endwell, perhaps, or if they were going to Albany. Now, uh, for uh, one year, Plus nine months, uh, there has been a large tree, as you look to the left from rock bottom, uh, down. It's been down for almost two years. Now, any person in authority, uh, Fred Akshar, Donald Lepardo, should say, well, you know, where's, where's the cruise? Let's, I mean, you know, day after day, I mean, it's like the tumbling tree. It's, it's probably a hundred-year-old tree. Uh, that came up by its roots. So that's the kind of people we have in public office. That's the kind of action they get. That's the kind of care uh, uh, that uh, they show for the community. I, I mean, the, the city was out cutting trees uh, yesterday on the Front Street portion of by the river. They were out chopping trees that were looked perfectly healthy, uh, but but nobody nobody seems to can can take care of this tree and remove it. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Could be slipped through the cracks because who who knows if it's supposed to be technically the city's responsibility or DOT or whatever. I mean, from what you describe, it sounds as though if uh, a crew was dispatched, whether it's a city or a state crew. They could probably deal with it in a matter of minutes because they have the equipment and they have the personnel. But, yeah, to your point, whoever whoever is supposed to deal with it either has just chosen to ignore it or, you know, I mean, there are a lot of things 
uh, in the area, and I I see this happen also all around the Triple Cities or Broome, Tioga, surrounding counties, where things are, are left that way, to your point, and you wonder, wait, now it's been going on for days or weeks, then it becomes months and years, and you think to yourself, well, well certainly somebody somewhere knows about it, and they're, then they're going to assign the task because so many of these things could be accomplished in a matter, if not minutes, maybe an hour or two. But Well, I mean... Know, I don't know. Uh, every every public official should have a clipboard. They should. Or, and, you know, uh, they should, if they see an... You know, we're told if you see something, say something. Well, for crying out loud, uh, you know, and they should turn it in. I mean, if it's a county matter, if they're... they're the county legislators got nothing to do. Uh, they they get essentially uh, on the lower uh, lower rung of a full time job. I mean, there's so these are look. Let me tell you what the priority is, and let me leave it at this. And I'm still mad. I'm still upset. I'm still angry about Elisa Spencer and this lack of uh, uh, any kind of accountability, any kind of progress report. You know, uh, when a child. Uh, is killed, uh, this is big news all across the country. Uh, there are updates, there are news conferences, there are demands. Uh, this is an outrage, and I think here's the problem in Binghamton. Uh, uh, the people that are running uh, things are too busy drinking, gambling, womanizing, and campaigning to address the real issues. Well, yeah, the the lack of concern on the part of public officials. I'll say the lack of apparent concern. I'm I won't go so far as to suggest public officials are not concerned, but it definitely seems based on the radio silence since her death on April 21st, it seems that it's just something ah eh, We'll, we'll wait, and the next time that we'll say anything about it is when and if somebody is arrested and charged with murder. Well, I go back to Harper Stance and Sherry Lindsay. Those cases were handled in a completely different manner. They weren't forgotten about. Well, exactly. Those were two young girls who who died circumstances of course were different in each case but still high profile cases and the community both the community residents media and officials police officials elected officials were were very prominent that hasn't happened over the last 5 plus months since the tragedy on Bigelow Street and I, for the life of me, I don't understand it. I, you know, the case gets mentioned in the New York Post, albeit not a separate story, as part of a, an overview on on crime in upstate New York. But nobody, nobody says anything about it anymore, except for a radio station and a website that that is working on one hand to keep it in the in the spotlight as much as possible, and also to promote the number, because the police still have that number, 607-772-7080. So if you have relevant information about the shooting that happened April 21st at 10 p.m. on Bigelow Street, 
call the detectives because I know they're still working the case, even though we don't hear anything from city officials or from the police chief. Or from the New York State Police that were supposedly right. uh, invest- investigating it, too. Uh, well, remember, at, at, at first, at first uh, we were led to believe that it was uh, a case seemingly so um, uh, perhaps, I won't say simple, but straightforward, that that the city police were going to handle the whole case themselves. I, I found that. You know, if, I'll, I'll just say this, and of course, I've never been in law enforcement. I know something about local policing, but I, I would have been inclined to say, at this point, given the gravity of this crime and how shocking it is for uh, the people on the east side and the people of our city and our county, I am hereby asking for all the available assistance with the state police, with the Broome County Sheriff's Office, other law enforcement agencies in New York and Pennsylvania, even federal authorities, even if there immediately wasn't any particular reason, say, for the FBI to get involved, because obviously the FBI has certain criteria, but still I would have said, I am welcoming anybody who may be able to help us in the early stages of our investigation. Well, we have all these people, nonprofit people, public officials, that claim that they're uh, all 100% behind children and children's welfare. Uh, and like you say, the uh, silence is uh, quite something. Uh, Bob, one more thing, the ridiculous thing of the week, in my opinion, story comes out of Ithaca. It's Mark Molinaro and Rich David uh, going through the homeless encampment with a couple of other elected officials from Ithaca, with their hands in their pocket. They 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 didn't they didn't come in with anything, uh, even a, a coffee and a donut, uh, and they're walking through this this homeless camp, talking to these hippies, asking them you know what they needed. Uh, Molinaro was in a brand new ski vest. Uh, his shirt was. Uh, pressed to the nines, and uh, David was sitting there. They both had their hands in their pockets. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I, I wasn't aware of that. Let me see. Uh, I see a picture of Mark Molinaro. You're right. He, 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 he looks very fashionable, as he and several other people. It says uh, there was an Ithaca Common Council member, uh, the congressional candidate Mark Molinaro, a Tioga County legislator, and, of course... Of necessity, probably, an Ithaca police officer as they went into what in Ithaca is known as the jungle. And I, I've seen other photo ops. I seem to recall a few years ago in Binghamton there was a photo op. You know, when on on a, a certain day when homelessness was in the spotlight, and I, I'm not sure. You know, it's covering covering stories about people who don't have a permanent home, for me it's difficult because there are some people who don't even like the, the phrase um, homeless. I mean, they want uh, un, unhoused or, I, you know, it's, it's no win no matter how you cover it. And it's sensitive. I try to be sensitive to people, all people, when I'm covering them. And sometimes I know I've seen other other reporters get, get chastised for for their coverage of the issue, but... Um, but again, as far as elected officials or candidates, you know, actually doing a photo op like that, I, 
I find I find it intriguing. But well, you know, there, who, who, there, am, who am I to judge? I just find it intriguing. Uh, again, both Rich David and Mark Molinaro have commercials out uh, proclaiming their independence. Uh, they're not running as Republicans, and one wonders why they why they wouldn't run on their own line and why they would even even need the Republican endorsement if they view it as so detrimental uh, to their political career. Unless they take the Republican vote as a sucker vote that's just going to vote the R and uh, allow them to pander uh, to the extreme left wing, which 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 they're doing. Oh, now I page down further in the, um, the article from Ithaca Voice. One person who was living in the area when this media event or photo op was underway, one resident asked, are they here to protect you, referring to the police, who because apparently it was a police officer and a sergeant. During the group's 90-minute walk, Molinero quipped, they might be here to protect you from us. And the resident responded, that might be right. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at the other pictures. By the way, I credit Matt Butler with the Ithaca Voice for providing the, the coverage. At least the Ithaca Voice is doing some local news um, out in Tompkins County. So I, I commend them for the work they do. Well, that must have been a very slow walk if it took 90 minutes. I mean, for crying out loud, I know. I've, to Auburn. <laughs> well, exactly. I've been... I, I've been... Now, I I haven't walked through that specific area, but I'm familiar with that part of Ithaca, and I'm not sure why why it took an hour and a half. But maybe maybe because they were waiting for other media crews to arrive, and sadly, in 2022, my my guess is there weren't many other media crews that showed up for the photo op. But at least Matt Butler, who is managing editor at the Ithaca Voice, at least he covered it, and I'm I'm appreciative for the work that he and the people at the Ithaca Voice are doing. Uh, and thanks for calling it to my attention. Yep. And and by the way, keep an eye on that tree. If that tree moves, if that tree moves, I want to know about it, day or night, John. Okay. Thanks. Well, maybe. What I notice about this program is sometimes when people bring up an issue that has been unaddressed... I hesitate sometimes to say ignored because that makes it sound like it was intentional. But say for some issues, whether it's downed trees or downed utility poles or giant potholes or other other matters that, for whatever reason, haven't been corrected, what I've noticed is sometimes once the issue has been discussed on this program, sometimes it actually gets some action. So sometimes I think this program actually can have a positive impact on the community, which is a good thing. I'm Bob Joseph. Thanks for listening this morning. I'm here till noon on WNBF and WNBF.com. Every day at... What is your current condition? I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then 
57 WNBF uh, going to the back of the rack. WNBF weather ripped from the headlines. Mostly cloudy today. High 64. Cloudy tonight. Low 47. Tomorrow cloudy. A chance of showers starting around midday. High 62. Precipitation less than a tenth of an inch. Tomorrow night, a few showers, low 47. Sunday, partly sunny, high 63. And right now, downtown at Marina City, it's... Again, we need to change the mercury here. It's so sluggish. We're supposed to change the mercury in the thermometer at least every 5,000 miles. They just won't change this. The mercury is... You know how when new, fresh mercury is poured into your thermometer, it looks so healthy and clear? Now, this mercury is so sluggish, almost like it appears to have the consistency of molasses. Maybe I'll taste it, because I love the taste of molasses. Right now, it's 45 in downtown Binghamton here at WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. For original reporting, my choice is WNBF.com. Of course, it would be my choice because I'm a content producer for that site. So I produce local stories. Today, I plan, in the next few hours, I plan to publish at least two very interesting local stories that thus far have been completely unreported. Well, one story has been totally unreported around here on the major news channels, but uh, there's also... Another significant story has been kind of reported. It's a major update for something very big. So stay tuned to WNBF.com and, of course, your favorite radio station, News Radio WNBF at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And, of course, how many times can you say, of course, in one minute? Of course, you can always say it more. Available on the free WNBF app. Stand by for news, and then another hour, the final hour of the week, as we close off the third quarter with Bob Joseph here at News Radio WNBF Binghamton. It's 11 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Clouds on the increase for today, a little bit more seasonable with the temperature into the mid-60s. Tioga County Sheriff's officials are investigating a crash earlier this week that claimed the life of a Spencer Van Etten high school student. The Sheriff's Office says shortly before 8 a.m. Monday, deputies responded to a report of a single vehicle crash on Ithaca Road in the town of Spencer. Authorities say a sedan driven by a 16-year-old left the road and crashed into a house. The Spencer Van Etten School District posted on social media saying the driver who died as a result of the injury suffered in the crash was senior Travis Allen. No one in the house was seriously hurt, according to the sheriff's office. The sheriff's office did not officially release 
the name of the teen. However, the Spencer Van End School District site is offering counseling for students, staff at the school following that teenager's death. No injuries are reported following over a day of tense negotiations in a neighborhood in the town of Shenango that resulted in heavy police response and the shutdown of a road. New York State Police were sent to a home on Savage Road around noon on Wednesday to check on the welfare of a 34-year-old. When troopers contacted the man, he made threats to harm himself and would not leave the house. Law enforcement officers closed the street as they attempted to negotiate with the subject. Police negotiators were assisted by a mobile crisis team from the Mental Health Association of the Southern Tier. Troopers say the man eventually came out of the house and surrendered without further incident shortly after 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Now that's 27 hours after the troopers were first called to that address. The man was taken to a hospital for a mental health evaluation. The steel is going up at the Oakdale Mall in Johnson City for construction of a new house of sport complex. Construction crews are converting the former Macy's store into a Dick's Sporting Good outlet. Dick's Sporting Goods announced plans for its largest store six weeks ago that will be located at the south end of the mall, the former retail center of Ariel Drive. The 140,000 square foot store will serve as an anchor for what developers are calling Oakdale Commons now. It's slated to open next year. Construction workers began gutting the interior of the Macy's site back in July. A big department store closed in 2017. Spark JC LLC, which is a joint venture of the Matthews and Newman families, acquired the mall property for $7.5 million and is in the process of reimagining the use of the property as a mixed-use facility that includes some retail as well as non-retail operations. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says a decision by regulators in California has now finally cleared the way for the Empire State to move ahead in its goal of requiring all new cars and trucks sold in the state to be zero emission by 2035. State regulations being crafted by the end of the year would require 35% of new vehicle sales to be zero emission vehicles in 2026. 68% by 2030 and 100% by 2035. Governor Hochul says New York had to wait for California to take a step because of some federal requirements. Under the Clean Air Act, states can either abide by the U.S. government's vehicle emissions standards or choose to follow California's stricter requirements. New York lawmakers passed a law last year that set a goal of making all passenger cars and trucks emissions-free by 2035, but could not put that plan into motion until California acted. Under the proposed rules, people do not have to give up gas-powered vehicles, they can continue to buy and sell them secondhand. Making electric vehicles a reality would require major public and private investments in a vast system of charging stations. There is a step closer to that this week as New York announced receiving $175 million in federal funding in order to expand charging station access to about one every 50 miles along the interstate highways. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, increasing clouds today, a high in the mid-60s, a little more seasonable, mostly cloudy for tonight, a low in the mid to upper 40s. Cloudy on Saturday, a 30% chance of showers, a high in the low 60s. Sunday, partly sunny, a high in the low to mid-60s. Monday, we're looking at patchy frost again in the morning, otherwise mostly sunny and a high near 60. And on Tuesday, again with a patchy frost, otherwise mostly sunny, high in the low 60s. 
news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. Hi, Bob Joseph with you on a Friday morning on WNBF. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. The number, if you'd like to discuss how the first. Nine months of 2022 have gone. If you think it's been a stellar year, weigh in. If you believe it's been somewhat less than stellar, well, weigh in on that too. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you how to think. 607-772-1290. Discuss 2022, good year or bad? Or is the jury still out? Are we going to have to spend the next three months before we can finally reach a verdict on the quality of 2022. I have to say with the tragedy, the catastrophe that we're seeing right now in Florida, certainly for millions of Americans, they'll look back on 2022 as a horrific year. Maybe people here in the Binghamton area have different views, but we can certainly appreciate those who were devastated by Hurricane Ian, we can certainly understand why they're they're going to be very glad to see this year end in 2023. Hopefully, be less less of a problem. As you heard from the ABC News update a few minutes ago, the death toll is rising in Florida. So at this stage, at this stage, sadly, we would expect a, a very, very high uh, toll, a human toll. I mean, uh, we've seen the pictures of the property loss, which will go into the billions of dollars. Who knows? Maybe tens of billions of dollars by the time it's all assessed in Florida and some of the other southern states. President Biden has now declared an emergency for South Carolina ahead of Hurricane Ian's expected landfall near Charleston. That, they say, should happen around midday today. According to the Washington Post, the White House will dispatch federal assistance to help the people in the Charleston area. The National Hurricane Center warned of life-threatening flooding, storm surge, and strong winds in the Carolinas. I know we have plenty of listeners who have acquaintances and relatives and friends in the Carolinas. We do have listeners in the Carolinas, too. So 
just wishing the best for everybody who will, in one way or another, experience the wrath of Hurricane Ian. Based on the weather forecast, the Binghamton area apparently will be unscathed. Some sections of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, as you travel further east, further south, some of those areas will wind up with some rain over the weekend, probably um, starting early Saturday. But as far as uh, the forecast up here in the Binghamton area, a generally uneventful weekend. Cloudy skies at times. But temperatures generally in the mid or low to mid 60s. So, from a temperature standpoint, not bad. It's 1114 at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Interesting to see the progress. Unfolding before our very eyes as the old Macy's store becomes a house of sports. A house of sport brought to you by Dick Sporting Goods. And uh, a lot of construction work underway. That house of sport project was announced just six weeks ago. And the crews are very busy on the south end of the Oakdale Mall as it becomes the Oakdale Commons, just days away. Oakdale Commons. So, if you want to see what's going on, I know many people are always fascinated to see transformational work underway. You can see it on our website, wnbf.com. It's pretty amazing. Well, when you look at all the, who knows, hundreds or thousands of truckloads of dirt. Just seeing all the um, fill they were bringing in over the last several weeks was was pretty impressive. And now, with some of the steel being erected for the new house of sport, most exciting thing for me is the the wall, the climbing wall. So I'll finally be able to climb a wall when they open the house of sport. In Johnson City. And that's that's going to be the biggest house of sport ever. 140,000 square feet. Putting it in perspective, the Oakdale, or the, the supermarket across the street there with their subs. The supermarket that sells subs that are assembled right before your eyes. That store, I believe now has about 135,000 square feet. So the House of Sport will be even bigger than that super-duper mart across the street. So two really big stores, really big, on either side of Harriel Drive in Johnson City. It's 1116 News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Remember, you can listen to us in various ways. We're on all sorts of platforms. My favorite platform is the WNBF app. For one thing, there's no charge for it. For another thing, you can listen to WNBF pretty much wherever you are. Assuming you've got an Internet connection, if you're out in the middle of nowhere with no Internet, you're 
sadly out of luck, but if you're within range of a decent Internet connection, you can hear us using the free WNBF app. Of course, if you're closer to Binghamton, over the air at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And, of course, there are still a lot of people who are listening to us on their computers or laptops or tablets at WNBF.com. You wash Hello? your hands and brush. Save $20 off round-trip flights with promo code WNBF when you book and fly by February 28, 2023. Book now at AvelloAir.com and say, Hello, Avello. Our big- Eleven twenty one WNBF with Bob Joseph, Sally Ray in Binghamton. Good morning, you're on. Hi, Bob. Um, I had a, a very interesting conversation uh, yesterday with one of my classmates from high school, and we were talking about um, you and um, Kathy White and different ones um, from WNBF. Um, I won't give her a name because I haven't asked permission, but um, I I found out some very interesting um, insight into uh, uh, what goes on at at WNBF over the years. Um, Yeah, it is very interesting what goes on here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also wanted to... um, call before September was completely over because I had a different um, lawyer on um, Labor Day. And I I want to give kudos or congratulations or appreciation or whatever you want to call it to all the women out there who um, let their babies be born. To me, it's such a miracle, the birth, the whole thing from conception. Um, it, it wasn't easy um, being pregnant and going through uh, different things that us women had to go through. And then the birth, I know my birth was very, uh, very painful. It was I don't want to give too many details because um, maybe some people might be embarrassed. But um, anyway, I I, um, I, I wish that um, you were on Saturday. I wish I was too. But hours. you know, you know, uh, if they would let me come in and even do just one hour on Saturday, I would love it. And the reason being, um, all the those that are working and the students, they would be able to give their input, and they would also learn. There's so much to learn from your show. It's, I mean, I like, um, what's his name, Bill Flynn, but it can only take so much music. Well, I would love to do a talk show on Saturdays and Sundays if they would let me. I, I want to put a plug in for that. 
So Plus, an, another other, thing, other how about this? Would you support a nighttime show every so often? Maybe not every night, but occasionally a nighttime show when people are home and maybe, like, say, from 9 to 11. Wouldn't that be a, a good idea to have a, a show at night so people could call in in the evening? Absolutely. I would support that. We should take a survey or something. I wish they would because I, not that I dislike doing the morning show. Don't get me wrong. I I love I love this nine to noon time slot, and I think it's great for me, certainly, and it's good for some people. But to your point, with people who are working or people in school, you know, see, I think we need to expand the tent. We need to make the opportunity available to more people, as many people as possible. And unfortunately, nine to noon doesn't work for some. Absolutely. One other thing I wanted to say um, about uh, being pregnant and things like that and, and our bodies, if women who are thinking about whether they keep their baby or not, our bodies are kind of like um, an, an apartment building. Um, there's different different apartments. But then there's the whole building, and the baby has its own body. It's and the body, the baby's body is within a woman's body, just like an apartment is a part of the whole building. So I don't know if I'm coming across clear or not on that. I understand the point you're making. Yeah. And uh, so maybe we can get a survey going to get you on uh, Saturday or, or an evening somehow. All right. Well, I'm all for it. So uh, let's let's see how we'll, we'll run that up the flagpole and see who salutes. Okay. You have a good weekend, Bob. You as well. Thank you for your call. 1126, Bob Joseph with you on WNBF, here to serve, trying to serve the community. This is where I was born, and I've worked here for a while, and I've determined that this is the place where I belong. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Jerry from Appalachian. Hey there. What's up? Yeah. Just had a question. Uh, where Doug Mosher? Is Doug Mosher no longer with uh, the radio? Yeah, no, he's not with us. I think he, I think he's um, appearing occasionally on a music station, but not not with Town Square Media. So he he wanted to cut back. I mean, he he still enjoys radio. He always has, but the the hours he was working here. You know, and the responsibilities was more than he wanted at that point. So, um, you know, we we uh, no longer have Doug working for us, so that's why you don't hear him. But he is occasionally. I think he's on on one of the music stations playing playing some of the tunes. Oh, okay. Well, I just wondered. Yeah, he's still he, he he's still around. He's still around. I haven't. I just haven't spoken with him lately. It's been it's probably been. Um, at least a few months since I last talked with him, but I'll, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll get in touch with him to just say hi and see what what's up with him. But because I I was uh, when when Doug Mosier many years ago, 
uh, we turned on a news station, uh, which is now our sort of a top 40 station, 104.1 FM. But when, when that station started back in the day, it was an oldie station, and I was right there when Doug Mosier did, did the first broadcast for that new station. And I, I thought it was neat. I've got a, got a, a videotape of that sometime. I should put that up on YouTube. Yeah. Anyway, okay, anything well, else? No, you know, there's a there's a guy I'm trying to think of who DJ was, or the early morning guy was several several years ago. He used to drive around in a Bentley or a Rolls Royce, and I think he was in a music group locally also. Can't, huh. I can't. And he used to he used to. Uh, I think he was. He used to call Bernie Fianti, Boom Boom Bernie. I remember that. Well, that would have been... There are two people that come to mind, either Ted Bear or John Leslie. Ted Bear. Ted Bear, by the way, speaking of Ted Bear, he's the person who hired me right here at WNBF. He was the program director when I came in and said, Hey, I want to work at WNBF. And he said, Hey, you're hired. <laughs> well, I obviously I've left out uh, a couple of the other details, but it, it actually went about that fast. I'll be darned. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Did you have any idea what happened to him? Yeah, sadly, he died. He, uh, he retired, and he went back to uh, his hometown, I want to say Danville, Illinois, and... So he uh, he was out in Danville, and I think, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to think if if his daughter, don't recall if his daughter, Annie, I don't recall if she was still around here. I can't remember if she was around here or if she went to Illinois. But anyway, uh, so Ted Baird died in December 2017. He was 76 when he died. Oh, wow. Yeah, in Danville, wow. Danville, Illinois. As uh, Roger Neal posted right after we learned of Ted's death, his humor and conversation earned him top ratings as the host of the morning show during the years when WNBF was owned by Stoner Broadcasting. He teamed up with morning news anchor Bernard Fiati to rule the morning. <laughs> and they did. That's and and, yeah. and who could forget AccuWeather's Joe Sobel? What a team. What a oh, morning yeah. team. Joe Sobel, Ted Bear, and Bernie Fianti. That was a great team. Of course, it was also a great team uh, as Bernie stayed on with Joe Sobel and John Leslie. We, you know, over the years, we've had some wonderful, wonderful people on at all hours of the day with. Uh, with uh, Ted and Bernie and John, Bill Parker, Tony Russell, yeah, yeah. so yeah, many people, really. Don Daniels, yeah, yeah. So oh, that's great. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that he passed. But yeah, I just was trying to remember some old times there. Thanks an awful lot. Thank you so much. Eleven thirty-one. I enjoy reminiscing. I love. Not only do I love Binghamton, but of course, evidently I love WNBF because, as you've noticed, I won't leave. 
<laughs> they just don't leave. And so for those of you who sometimes wonder, who was responsible for Bob Joseph getting hired at WNBF in the first place? So now you know the answer. Ted Bear, 607-772-1290. That's the phone number. You can also send your email to bob at wnbf.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Singers, Lonnie Mac, a twang and eighty hits, my ring with gold, steady, take it easy, take me high, lie, lie, how's a fire, no commotion, poker, passion, deep and purple satisfaction, baby, baby, got it, got it, give me, give me, getting hot as Sammy's cooking, Leslie Gore, Richie Valens, end of story, my beast of Fuji, I'm a camera, Sutra, Rama, Lama, Richard Perry, Spectre, Barry, Rogers, Archer, Stilson, Harry, Shimmy, Shimmy, Coco, Poppin', Fats, is back, and Finger, Poppin', WNBF. Whoa, whoa. Well, Larry from Kirkwood. Good morning. Oh, sweet memories, Bob. Oof, I love that. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, brings me back. Oh, well, I am 100% in line with that young lady who just said you should do a show on Saturday. I would be all for that. That would be good. All they have to do is give me the go-ahead and count me in, baby. Yeah. And while I'm thinking about it, what the heck? Why not try to give it Kathy maybe to do a one-hour show during the week, maybe at night, maybe like 8 o'clock, one hour every night. I, th- I I think she should do it every Friday night. Friday uh-huh. night at 8. Oh, that would be wonderful. I, I mean, I'd love to listen to Kathy and James talking together during the morning. That, they were wonderful. Well, Dave ought to have a program at night, too. So he could have... He could be on... Um, let's see. He could be on at 9 on Friday night, and Kathy White could be on at 8. I guess that would work. Why not? Why yeah. not? And if if the one hour shows work, then they could each expand to be on for two hours. Then Kathy could be on Friday nights from eight to ten, and James could be on from ten to midnight. Oh, I don't know if they'd all go for that. Well, why That's wouldn't they? Why wouldn't well, they? Why wouldn't they like day. to host a, a two hour talk show? That would be a real long day for both of them because they both get up so early. You know? Yeah, but they're they're youngsters. They're not like me, an old timer. I don't think Kathy's so much a youngster anymore. <laughs> well, she's young. She's a young whippersnapper. She still has ten times more energy than I do. Oh yeah, I get that. I hear that every day. <laughs> Her enthusiasm. I mean, same with James. Both of them are so enthusiastic and energetic. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I get talked to, and they, the, not them, but the the management, and they they say. Bob, why can't you, you know, kick it up a couple of notches? And I say, I'm, I'm writing as fast as I can, but they say, that's not good enough. You, <laughs> we want more. We want more content. 
And they also that's, they also say, why don't you improve your attitude on the program? <laughs> I think your attitude's pretty good. <laughs> well, that's what I tell them. I, you know, what what's wrong with my attitude? You know, my hey. atti- my attitude is who I am. That's why Ted Baird hired me. My attitude hasn't changed a bit since the first minute I walked into this place. I mean, hey, I might disagree with you sometimes, and I do, but. Which is fine, but but my point my point about disagreeing, whether it's on issues or whatever, my point is that's what makes life interesting. Some people find disagreeing with someone to be something to either be annoyed by or something to be angered by. I think just the opposite. I think that's what makes life interesting. I've said many times I don't want to live in a world where everybody agrees with me. I would be bored to death. I want to live in a world where people have all different views. Oh, yeah. yeah that's where we've gotten all this stupid cancel culture from because there's so many whoops, wusses out there who can't stand to hear a, a different opinion than their own, you know? Well, I, I stand for tolerance. I, I want people to work harder to tolerate different views and and yeah. to respect different views. You can disagree with them. Hey, right. you you know, you've listened to the program long enough. You know, I disagree with some views, but mm-hmm. I'm not trying to change anyone's opinion. Right. You know, I mean, trying to change one's opinion, someone's view about something, really tends to be an exercise in futility. I'm not saying it can't be done. It's just very difficult. Appreciate your call. Hope you have a great weekend. Okay, bless you, man. 1140 WNBF. Mary from Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. What's well, up? I thought, I, I thought I'd ask you this question because I I called code and they have to say leave a message and the mayor's office leave a message. And I thought maybe you might uh, know this answer about the heat, when you, what uh, temperature you turn the heat on. Now, I know it's in the 40s out today, but it's going to be up in the 60s. So meanwhile, we've been freezing for a weekend here. Because the landlady says 40 or below, and I always thought it was 55 or below. Do you know the answer? Let me see. I'm punching up something now on, on the Internet here. Let me see if I can find out. I don't know the answer off the top of my head, but I am looking for something here. And in the city code... The city code. Oh, my gosh. I haven't looked this. Hold on a sec. Okay. Um, so they do have the city code online. We should have some sort of pleasant music while I'm... <laughs> yeah, you know, like that music they have on hold. Uh, let's see. Light, ventilation, electricity, and heat. Heating facilities. Okay, this is the city code, and I think it's current, but I, you know, I, I won't swear by it, but it's, it's on the website. Heating facilities. In the absence of a written contract or an agreement to the contrary, the owner or operator shall be responsible for supplying heating facilities which are capable 
of safely and adequately heating every room in every rental unit to an average minimum temperature of 68 degrees when the outside street temperature is below 55. So it's been getting below 55 several nights over the last few weeks. I I don't know what it dropped down to last night. I, I think when I woke up this morning, it was 37. The room temperature shall be measured from at least two distinct locations in the rooms, blah, blah. Um, Timing devices, which cause the temperature within a dwelling unit to fall below the minimum temperature, shall be prohibited. So according, according to this, they need to have the temperature at at least... Uh, 68 average temperature when the outside street temperature is below 55. That's what it appears to be, according to my initial reading of the city code. So, if if I were you, I would call the mayor's office. He'll look into it. Uh Uh-huh, because, you know, we're freezing at Country Town, you know. Yeah, I've heard... I was just over... At uh, at the apartment complex about a week ago on s- some other story, but I've heard all sorts of all sorts of uh, issues. At, at of course, it's now um, town and country apartments, but so many people still know it as as country town. How long have you lived there? Oh, thirty two years. Yeah. Mhm. A long time. Yeah. Really get out. Well. There's- so generally, okay, the the heat right now is is uh, lacking, but but gen, gen, generally, how how has it been over the thirty two years uh, that you've been there? Generally, conditions. Generally, the landladies have been very good, and they've you know they've uh, put the heat on in September. You know, towards the end of September, it's if it's chilly out, you know. So so have uh, oh, do you, is there a new person in charge now? Someone different. Yes, uh-huh. Oh, We've had boy. several for the last few years. All right. Because um, I'm sure you're not the only one who has to deal with this. There are so many people who live at the at the apartments. Um, well, keep me posted. Will you, if you think of it, can you try to call in on Monday to let me know if anybody uh, finally got the heat on so you don't have to be, um, you don't have to be shivering? Right. Yeah. Let me know, okay? I I, I wish I could come over there and fix it. I could come over there, but I can't fix it. Um, But I I could go over and have a talk with with the person in charge, but she probably doesn't want to hear from me. I mean, you know, she probably just like, oh, Bob, I listen to the program all the time, and I I like the program, but she's probably doing only what she's told, too. True, that's true. You know, I mean, I... I know a lot of times people take out their uh, frustrations on on the the easiest person, and sometimes we fail to keep in mind that person who we actually have contact with is just doing their job, just like we do our jobs. And you know, she and may you do a very good job, Bob. All right. Well, I'm trying my best every day. So I listen every day. <laughs> okay. Well, well, stay tuned. Um, and I'll I'll see what we can do. I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to work on this today, but if if you do me a favor and, and Monday or Tuesday, whenever you have a chance to, to call in and give me a status report, okay? Because I don't 
I don't want people to have to be shivering in their apartments over at uh, Town and Country Apartments. It's not. That's just not right. No, it's not. Have you heard, by the way, did did uh, any new owners take over? Because they were talking for a while that the new owners were going to take over and actually start fixing up the apartment complex. But I haven't heard anything about that lately. Uh, well, they, they mentioned that. They said that they were going to um, fix up the apartments, but uh, I haven't seen anything um, that they're doing anything about it. All right. Yeah, I'll try to monitor because I know Mayor David had told me several times that he still expected the improvements would happen at the apartment complex because hundreds of people live there. That's one thing that maybe other folks in Binghamton don't realize. There are lots of buildings that are part of um, the apartment complex across from the old Binghamton Plaza. So many people live there, and in your case, you know the fact that you've been there for thirty-two years. I mean, it's that's that's your home. You love you love having a home. It may not be perfect, but it's your home. Right. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Mary, thank you for calling that to my attention. I'll uh, see at some point. Maybe I can make some calls today. I don't guarantee it, but hopefully, just the fact that you called in, maybe. You know, somebody at City Hall, the code enforcement or whatever, maybe they're listening and, and maybe they'll stop by this afternoon and check it out and see if they can get that uh, addressed for you. Okay. All right? Thank you, Bob, but I'll give you a ring next week. Let you know. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hope In the meantime, hope you have a good weekend. You too. 1148. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. Asking a few questions, always trying to get some answers, and when possible, trying to help out. I don't have a magic wand, but I, if I did, if I could do something and get the heat on at that apartment complex for people, because I, as I said, I was just over there, I don't know, a week and a half ago, probably. And I talked to some of the residents. They they didn't mention anything about heat, but last week I think was warmer. But they do have concerns, and I think I mentioned last week when I was over there on the north side, I think it would be good if more city officials would visit the north side to talk with the residents and actually listen to some of their concerns. I am doing my best to encourage more people from the north side to call the program. 1149 at WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Hey, Beverly. Hey, what's new? Well, a lot. I, I have a couple of excellent stories that I'll be uh, working on this afternoon. But I Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. I mean, one, I, I have to tell you about one story. I can't, I can't go into detail right now, but one story is very, very sad. One story will make people sad. Yes. I mean, it's not to the point, it's not where somebody is hurt or somebody somebody has died, but in, in a sense, I mean, it's a, it's a business that's been there for a long time, and now it's going to be not there anymore. So we're, we're going to do that story, and then we have some other stuff. Oh, actually, had another stuff about a, a huge new project that is almost complete. So, I've got lo- a lot to do. 
this afternoon. Oh, I have a, I have well. a lot to do, and I only have five hours left to do it. So wish me well, because I I need to. Oh yes. You know well, what? What I'm calling, what I'm calling for oh. is when does the absentee ballots come out? Hmm. Absentee ballots. I don't know. Offhand. Wait. Let me check. Broome County may have a thing on there on the uh, website. Board of Elections may say absentee ballots. Let me click on this. Uh, absentee ballots. Uh, you must you must put out an application. For, they must get your application for the absentee ballot by October twenty fourth. Well, they didn't send me one. Well, maybe you they have to. Send it. They, usually, they usually send it out. Automatically? Yeah. Because mm. I got it last year. Well, what I would do, just to be on the safe side, because it, there's still a few weeks, it says, before the application deadline is, you should call their office. Okay. Do you, do you have a pen? Just a minute. Yeah, grab a pen, and I'll give you the number for the Board of Elections, and they'll tell you what you need to know for your absentee ballot. Oh, wait a minute. All right. And then at some point, I'll work to have the election okay. commission sign. Okay, wait, here. wait a minute. All right. Take your time. Yeah, 607, I know that. Yeah, yeah. you'll have to dial 607 778 772. Right. And that's the Broome County Board of Elections. And they'll tell you everything you need to know. See, it seems to me, just scanning this, it seems to me that you still have to apply. But maybe if they've sent you an absentee ballot before, maybe... Maybe they'll keep doing it. Oh, I hope so. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. Wait. Well, maybe you're already down there. Maybe. I guess. I guess there is this option where. So, did you. When you apply, there is a thing on the form that you can check off for permanent illness yeah, or well, physical disability. Well, when they sent them out here, when was it? In May or June, from the primary, they sent me up. Oh, okay. And you did not apply for it? They just sent it to you? No. All right. Well, then that's probably what they'll do. But I still encourage you to call their office just to verify that so you don't miss out. Because you wouldn't want to miss the opportunity to vote. No, I think this is going to be a good election. It's going to be one of the best. Okay, so uh, on Monday, let me know. Let me know what they told you when you called, just so we could share the info with other listeners. Yeah, okay. Well, All right. Thank you. Have a good weekend. You as well. Thank you. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh. All right. Uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks, I'll probably get the election commissioners on the program. That's my plan. Hi, WNBF. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob, this is DJ in Binghamton. I want to say to that lady with the low heat, isn't Leah Webb the city councilman? I would call my city council. No, Leah Webb hasn't represented that district for years. Who's the north side over there? 
uh, I think uh, Aviva Friedman. Oh yeah, that's right. Aviva I believe Friedman. I believe she's the council member for uh, for the North Side. So actually, that's a good. That's an excellent idea, but by the same token, she should also call City Hall, call the code enforcement, call the code enforcement, and also leave a message for uh, Council Member Aviva Friedman, because I would think that she would want to know if her um, some of her constituents at the town and country apartment complex don't have good heat. I'd call both of them because I, I think that it's better if you if you go, you know, as much near to the top as you can, Aviva Friedman. I like Aviva Friedman a lot. I heard her speak. She's, she's great. That's sure. all uh, I really want to say, man. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks. Yeah, that's a good idea. I would call. Yeah, I would call my, and that's the fourth district. That includes the north side and also downtown. And that's another thing, too. If you have a problem, especially if you're in a big apartment complex and you have issues, whether it's a lack of heat or the place has fallen apart that they won't do repairs, um, let me know. Now, if you have problems, say you're in a smaller apartment house, two families or four families or six families, might not do a big story about that, but if you're in an apartment complex, say like town and country, where there are hundreds of apartments and it may affect a lot of people, I think we should know about it. And if you let me know, especially if you're able to send an email, bob at wnbf.com, because frequently uh, the information in email is helpful, but if you send an email, whether it's about issues with your apartment or something else, a news tip, try to also include your phone number. I won't give it to anyone. I won't give your phone number to anyone, but I will. If you give me your phone number, I'll try to call you at some point to let you know that I'm looking into the information that you provided. John from Binghamton points out that he's been in some of those apartment buildings and he says the rent is too high i think see i'm not sure because that was from earlier this hour so i'm not sure which apartments he was talking about but i also have been into some apartments around the triple cities and when i find out the rent for some of these apartments i'm in disbelief it's just surprising sometimes to me 1157 Bob Joseph with you. Don't go anywhere. There's more to come. News Radio 